Greetings, friends. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and in recent episodes, we talked about some of Jesus' teachings on prayer, and that sparked some listeners to have some questions about prayer, and so I invited others to send in their questions as well. And so in this episode of The Bible and Life, we're going to answer some listeners' questions on prayer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. So glad that uh, we are all together on this again today and hope uh, you are doing well wherever you're at. Um, before we jump into today's topic, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone with for the, the email messages, text messages, or whatever form of communication we had after last week's episode. It sure seems like that topic of forgiveness just really resonates with something deep in our human soul. We know we live in a broken world. We know we need to be forgiven. We know we need to forgive other people. Wrong happens. And so it just seemed like that topic really resonated with people. And I was getting text messages or emails. I had some really good correspondence. I've got a question I'm still uh, working on answering for for someone who emailed me and had a long kind of text correspondence with another another person who just really forced me to sharpen my thinking on some things and was asking some really good questions that I'm con- continuing just to kind of chew on and think through some of the implications of that. So I appreciate all that feedback and appreciate you guys uh, just engaging with this topic, engaging with me on that. Just it's really helpful for all of us to kind of work on that together. In fact, if if you're not following me on Facebook or Instagram, man, jump on my Instagram page or um, my Facebook page, and I would love just to to connect with you that way. So that uh, as topics come up or things hit home, you can ask me your questions. You can. Um, you you can give me your feedback, give me your thoughts, and and all of us can kind of continue to learn and grow together. So check out my Facebook page, my Instagram feed, and would love to connect with you that way as well. Um, and on another note, if you uh, if if you'd like to to check it out, I was uh, interviewed and had a good conversation with my friend Preston Sprinkle on his podcast that just was released. Uh, yesterday, and so you can find that um, at PrestonSprinkle.com under podcast on his page, or you can find it on iTunes, your podcast app. His podcast is called Theology in the Raw, Theology in the Raw, and you can uh, find that. The latest episode is just a conversation with me, John Whitaker, and uh, he and I had a, a great conversation about preaching and about ministry and about the Bible and and even some of the resources I'm creating and some of the stuff I'm putting together, and and so uh, check that out, Theology in the Raw, conversation with me there uh, and my friend Preston Sprinkle. And also, while we're on that note, um, man, I've just been working hard on some of these online courses and I've got uh, two of them done, a third one that's getting really close to being done. I've been getting some help with some editing by a, s- a super talented friend of mine and super skilled friend of mine, and so really grateful to her for helping me out on that. And hopefully we'll get that uh, that course done here in the next few weeks. So that'll be up and rolling. It's core beliefs, and it's uh, really an opportunity for us to explore our worldview. And does our worldview, even as followers of Jesus or believers in the Bible, does our worldview actually match up with some of at least the core parts of Jesus' worldview and really wrestling through what it means to to really believe and uh, believe like Jesus believed. And, you know, I don't want it just to be like theology for theology's sake. And so on each of those uh, sessions in that core beliefs course, I've actually got some suggested spiritual practices to help us really internalize that. And so be looking for that in the next couple weeks. I'll, I'll announce that on the show. I'll also announce that on my website and on social media as well. So uh, core beliefs course 
coming soon. And then after that, I'm going to be working on the Basics of Spiritual Growth course. And Lord willing, I'd love to have that all done before the end of the year. It's just taking a little longer than I thought. And so probably won't get the, the Basics of Spiritual Growth done before the end of the year now that we're going to be coming into the holiday season. But hopefully... Uh, Sometime in January, the Basics of Spiritual Growth course will be done as well. So get those courses done. Got a guy building me an app as another way to distribute that material. So you could even be uh, watching for uh, an app uh, either in the uh, Google Play or the App Store for that. And just going to call it the Bible and Life app more than likely. So give you updates on that as we get a little bit closer. But there you go. That's some stuff going on with me. hope things are going well with you. And this episode would... Uh, as I've been kind of talking about and, and promising, I am going to answer some listeners' questions concerning prayer that grew out of going through this section of the Sermon on the Mount where we, we looked at Jesus' teaching that we call the Lord's Prayer and even some of the things leading up to that uh, about how we pray. It just kind of really resonated again with people and that, that prompted some questions on prayer that were either sent in as comments on the podcast or uh, emailed to me, messaged to me. And so... Um, here we go. Just a handful of questions, everything that range from fairly simple to fairly deep and theological. Probably can't get them all done on this episode, so we're probably going to be doing this for the next uh, next couple episodes. And hopefully it'll help us be people who are a little stronger, more focused on praying. All right, so just some basic questions on prayer. Let's start with kind of a, a, a slow pitch one here. What is the origin of praying before we eat? Do we have to pray before we eat? Why do we pray before we eat? Where in the world did that even come from? So what's the origin of praying before we eat? And um, just historically, biblically even, Jews themselves uh, had mealtime prayers as a way to remember that God is the giver of all good gifts. You actually see some of that in like Deuteronomy chapter 8 where God's like, when you move into this land and you experience the blessings that I promised you and my covenant in this land... um, don't forget me as the giver of all good gifts. And Jews actually began to regularly offer prayers to God as thanks for the good gifts that he had given as he blessed them with the promised land. So you can see that really in the history of the Jewish people. And then not only that, but even as traditions developed around the Jewish feast, the holiday feast, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, and all those feasts, then so did some set prayers for their meals. And so Passover, for example, there was multiple prayers thanking God for being the giver of every good gift and providing the fruit of the vine and providing good food to eat. And so Jesus kind of inherits that tradition as a Jew, and that's part of his tradition. And then you even see it in Jesus' own ministry where he blessed food before eating. You see it uh, with the feeding of the 5,000 and the breaking of the loaves and the fish and looking up to heaven and thanking God for, for this food. You see it in Luke 24 where he's with the two disciples post-resurrection and he blesses the bread and breaks the bread and they recognize him in the, the blessing and the breaking of the bread. Um, and then a particular passage in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. That, that text sort of implies this idea of receiving food with thanksgiving. And, and uh, one of the ways we do that is simply by praying before we eat. All right, so that's sort of the origin of uh, praying before we eat. Next question, what's the origin of kind of the prayer posture, praying with folded hands and bowed heads, this origin of the prayer posture? 
I don't know exactly where where it all came from, particularly like folded hands. Folded hands isn't, as far as I know, mentioned anywhere in the Bible. So that's sort of unique. Um, what you see in Scripture with the hands is usually lifted up hands, with hands lifted towards heaven, not necessarily folded. So we see that in the Bible. Um, we even see reference to like holy hands at times in the Bible, but primarily hands lifted towards heaven, not folded. So I don't quite know where that came from. Bowed head is actually mentioned number of times in the Bible, and it's a, an act of submission and reverence. You bow your head as a way of bowing before God, as a way of submission and reverence to him. Um, some of that actually just grew out of the Jewish culture and the ancient Near Eastern culture where standing before someone of power, particularly um, a king or someone like that, you would bow before them as an act of submission, reverence. And we see that then applied to our relationship with God just as a way of demonstrating that he is God, we are not, he's in charge, and so we bow our head in reverence before him. Other body positions are actually mentioned in the Bible, standing, kneeling, laying out flat, prostrate before the Lord. All these body positions are mentioned in Scripture. Here's probably the most important thing I could tell you about this, though, beyond the origin of some of this. um, We often minimize the fact that what we do with our body actually affects our inner being, and that there is such a connection between our outer being and our inner being that the posture of our body can affect our inner being. And that's, I think, really important that this, in technical terms, the unity of body and soul is is so real and so important and so vital that bowing on our knees, laying out flat on our stomach, um, raising our eyes and our hands up towards heaven, all of that can affect really what's going on within our soul, within our inner being. And so it's important for us to recognize that, and therefore it's important for us to practice some of those other bodily positions as we pray. Um, And so we don't just need to fold hands. We don't just need to close our eyes or bow our heads. We, we can practice other positions that express sort of our ecstatic joy as we lift our hands towards heaven and look up in, in radiant joy towards God or lay flat on the ground in full laid out submission begging God to act on our behalf. What we do with our, our body actually affects what goes on in our soul. And so uh, vary your body position when you pray. Next question. Does a prayer actually have to have a dear God and an amen to count as prayer? And the reality is there is no formula, right? We don't have to have a dear God. We don't have to even have necessarily an amen. There is no true formula. In fact, again, throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament, you see different ways God is addressed um, through the prayers recorded in the Bible. In fact, the Lord's Prayer that we looked at here recently, Jesus doesn't even tell us to say, Dear God. Um, he just says, Our Father, who's in heaven. And and that's the address he teaches us to relate to God as Father. And sometimes if we just say, Dear God, well, what are we going what understanding of God are we going to infuse that word God with? Well, Jesus says, let's infuse it with Father, and not just any Father, but a loving Father, a good Father, a compassionate, wise, merciful Father. And so maybe that's more appropriate, right? And so do you have to have a dear God? No. Do you have to have an amen? Not necessarily. Amen simply means truly. It simply means verily. It simply means let it be so. Let it be so. And maybe you want to say that. Let it be so. Um, It is a way just to 
to kind of formally end a formal prayer, but we don't have to do that. It's actually appropriate to lay on your bed at night, review your day prayerfully as you're preparing for sleep, and review your day with God, and talk about your day, and thank Him for it, and uh, and talk to God as you review your day, and fall asleep while praying, without ever getting to an amen or even a formal ending stop. Um, that's appropriate as well. And so the key thing is to be living in connection and in conversation with God, formula or not. Next question. Should we pray for things like someone to get better from a cold, for example? Are those prayers appropriate or are they inappropriate considering that these things are just part of life? Colds, uh, you know, bills, difficult things. Um, there's, there's just normal stuff of life that happens. So since those things are just part of life, should we not worry about praying for them? And the reality is, is well, that's a good question, actually. I've actually wondered that myself. Is it appropriate to pray for some of those things? And I don't know. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong, I suppose, with praying for, well, help Aunt Mabel. She's got a cold and help her to get over the cold. There's really nothing wrong with that. I, I don't want any of us to ever think that anything is too trivial to bring before the Lord, right? Nothing is too trivial, uh, minor things, major things, God cares about it all because he cares about us. But I do think honesty forces us to acknowledge some things are more significant some things are more significant than others. Um, perhaps praying for grace and strength while sick is more important than praying for uh, cousin Sue or Aunt Mabel to get over their cold. Perhaps maybe it's more important for them to have grace and strength. Um, so Nothing is too trivial for God. The stuff of everyday life should be the stuff we pray about. But as we walk with God and as we pray, I suspect that we'll find he enlarges our circle of concern. So we're praying about minor things, but also major things, bigger things. And that he's, he's teaching us how to pray in different ways about some of those minor things and even those bigger things. And so is it inappropriate? I would say, no, it's not inappropriate. Uh, just don't limit your prayers to those sorts of things. Pray for the major things as well. And don't be afraid of even praying just for for strength and grace during the cold to actually be able to continue to love and engage people and take care of their tasks while they're sick. Um, and what about safe travels? What about praying for safe travels, somebody asked. Uh, what if it's God's plan for us to pass away in a car accident? Man, there's several things I actually want to say about that, about some of the theology maybe even behind some of that. What what if it's God's plan for us to pass away in a car accident? And I think it's important for us to, to think about God's plan maybe a little more comprehensively. Sometimes we, I don't know that we think about it as fully. And so does God cause everything that happens? Well, no, God doesn't cause everything that happens in this world, even if he's in control of it all. So there are some things that God doesn't cause, but he allows, he permits. And there are some things that God prevents. And we don't even know how much stuff that could have happened in this world that God didn't allow to happen, that he stopped or he prevented from happening because it didn't happen. And so the bad things that happen in life, car accidents that take loved ones, that may only be one or two or three percent of the total possible bad things that could have happened, and God stopped the other 95, 97 percent, right? I mean, we don't know the percentage of all that because we're just not told, but we need to realize that God's sovereignty and God's control of and interaction with this world involves causing things, permitting things, and preventing things. 
And we don't know really how much of each that God does, but we do know that God has chosen to interact with this world to a, to a certain degree, give this world and even us people in this world, um, give us a, a certain amount of positive choice ourselves, a certain amount of independence ourselves under his sovereignty and under his control, but we make real choices. And those real choices have real consequences that affect real people. Or even nature itself operates with a level of kind of relative independence under God's control where God could prevent certain things or where God always has veto power and he could always uh, adjust things if he wants. But at a certain degree, God's not constantly, as far as my understanding of scripture goes, pulling the strings of nature, reminding the sun you need to rise this morning and reminding it you need to set it out. God doesn't need to do that. He's set the world up to operate a certain way under his sovereignty and under his control. And, And so, A lot of what happens in this world is stuff God's permitted to happen, that he chose for whatever reason not to prevent, and we don't always know why, right? So we live in this world, and it's not determinism. Um, God, God just permits things, and God can intervene to stop things, and sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't, and we don't always understand why. And so what about praying for safe travels? It's totally appropriate to pray for safe travels and to trust God with that, to trust that um, if God sees fit, he could He could prevent us from getting an accident. If God sees fit, he could permit us to arrive safe, safely. If God and his sovereignty chooses not to, other drivers make bad choices, things happen, there may be an accident. And that's the world we live in. We live in a world where Everything that God wants done doesn't always get done. Um, That God lives with that tension in this world where he's working to make all things new and there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells where everything that God wants done will be done and his will will be done perfectly and completely because his kingdom will have come perfectly and completely. In the meantime, we don't live in that world and so we entrust ourselves to a faithful creator trusting him to do what's good, wise, and best. And we don't always understand why he allows certain things. One of my earliest Bible college memories, I was only a second or third week as a freshman in Bible college, and I was over at um, my now wife's house. Her dad was a pastor. We were over there for Sunday afternoon um, lunch after church, and we were hanging out and Bruce got a phone call from a family in the church whose uh, husband and son was on a plane in Denver that that had crashed. The son lived, the father did not. And we don't always know why that's the case. Why why does God allow certain things to happen? Uh, He was a faithful, God-fearing, Christian man. Why did that happen? We don't always understand all of that, right? And, and what we need to do is learn to trust ourselves to God and trust God's wisdom, trust his goodness, while recognizing that we live in a world where things are broken and things don't work right and things don't always turn out the way we want. They don't even always turn out the way God wants. And God chooses not to actually pre- prevent all the bad from happening in this world right now. He's choosing to allow a certain amount of that as he works to make all things new. Man, that's it. 
We already ran out of time. I had a whole other question I really wanted to get to today that's a really big question, but there's no way I can engage with that question uh, this episode, or we will be here a lot longer than uh, normal. So I'm going to leave it there. We'll come back to some more questions in uh, in in the next episode. Uh, this next question that uh, or this this really big question I want to get to. Let me just tell you what it is, so you can kind of anticipate what we're what we're looking at. This question is. Uh, this that I understand God's not a giant vending machine in the sky. Um, he He doesn't always do everything we ask, but there's there's passages in in the Gospels, passages in Jesus' teaching where it sounds almost like blank checks, where it says, "Whatever you ask for, believing in prayer, you will receive them." That sounds like a blank check from Jesus, and and then. Then all of a sudden we we ask God for not just minor things, big things to to spare loved ones who who got sick or or children being born safely and not having that happen. And we're like, Jesus, you promised whatever we asked for, believing in faith we'd receive, and then this didn't happen. And what do we how do we handle that? And so we'll take up that question in our next episode next week, along with a handful of other questions on prayer. Um, my hope and my prayer is that uh, as we discuss these questions, as we think together about prayer, it, it won't just be interesting information. It'll move us in faith to actually trust God more and to pray more vitally, more consistently, more regularly. The most important thing we can do in life is walk with God, and a key part of that is talking to God in prayer. And so, may you go in faith. May you learn to trust your wise, gracious Heavenly Father that He knows what's best, He's capable of doing what's best, and He He will bring good into our life, if not now, then ultimately that He is a good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, He cares for His sheep so much that He laid down His life for the sheep, and therefore we can trust Him and know that we lack no good thing because the Lord is our shepherd. God bless you guys. We will see you next time on The Bible in Life.